podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Talking Snooker with Phil Haig and Nick Metcalf. Once again, talking about the game we all love. But before we get into the game we all love, Phil, it has to be a little bit of mention of the beautiful game. It's been a, a profound uh, week, hasn't it? It has to be said. England have played two uh, seismic matches since we last spoke and they won the semi. That felt momentous. And then they went so close in the final. But what drama we've experienced here in the UK. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a, a week to remember, as you say. Um Amazing scenes in the semi. It was tense. It was nervous. Uh, just about got through. I think deservedly, although the penalty was very contentious. And then uh, the final, tough one, really, wasn't it? I mean, um, Italy were probably the better team, but we were, were winning it for an hour, over an hour. So uh, hard to take. But I, I'm weirdly not that downbeat, really. I think the first final I've ever seen England play. Um, getting closer. This team should be getting better. So. Uh, wasn't that good on uh, on the Monday morning? Although I did have a hangover. <laughs> yes, I I didn't I didn't I did notice on Twitter that you, you you suggested that you 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 were suffering somewhat on Monday. Well, I should say, and I, I do feel a bit sheepish. I'm a lucky man that I was at the games. I, I had accreditation for the semi final. As I say, that was a, a really special night. I mean, I've seen quite a lot in sport to say the least, but that was uh, you know very special. And then the final, well, I, I wasn't. Uh, given press credentials, but an old friend of mine got me a ticket on the morning of the match. And, well, I don't like to always plug my other stuff on here, but I have written extensively for Metro about it. And I think it's fair to say, and I know you talked about it from the pub side of things, but it was a, a pretty ugly day, really. Um, I think I realised things were going wrong when uh, people right behind me were trying to get in behind me into the turnstiles. And it was very chaotic, ugly, and uh, it, it was... a. a in some ways, a very poor advert for football fans, and I'd say probably the country, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I was just travelling through London that day, and it was uh, it was carnage, really. It was sort of lawless uh, to an extent, and I'm not sure what happened to the the policing, but it, there didn't seem to be very much of it, or certainly nowhere near enough of it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it is as you say, it's not a good advert for the sport. Uh, there's something about when England play that people think they can do whatever they like and without uh, any consequences. And to an extent, they're right. There don't seem to be that many consequences, um, but there should be. And uh, yeah, it's not great. Well, it was light touch policing sometimes works, but uh, I don't think on this occasion. But it was a monumental event. And we're very aware that, of course, this is a snooker podcast. We will now go on with that. If you can hear uh, extra noise in the background that's not that usual to your experience listening to us. I should say that I'm here at Royal St George's uh, where I'm covering the Open Championship. And actually, I'm not sure I've said here before, but I'm actually the golf correspondent uh, of Metro. Uh, so this is one of my biggest uh, gigs of the year, Phil. So we're looking forward to this great tournament starting tomorrow, uh, Thursday here in the UK. But of course, we're looking forward to the 21-22 snooker season. We've had enough time off now, haven't we? We've loved our guests. We've loved nattering away about the game. But let's get, to, to use a phrase you may have heard from someone else, let's get the boys back on the bays, shall we? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like forever. Um, and obviously the Euros has been a nice distraction. And if it wasn't for that, it really would have dragged on. Uh... 
Um, I, th I think we might have had a few technical problems there. I don't know if that's it. that's my end or your end. It says my internet connection is, is unstable. That's a bit of a shame. I think it it's generally been good Wi-Fi here at, uh, at, at Royal St George's at Sandwich so far, but I think you broke up there. We'll persist for now and, um, and hope it goes on. But you were saying, yes, it's time, isn't it, to get them back? Certainly, yeah, really looking forward to it. Uh, a lot of the big names in action coming up very soon. So um, although it's a low-key start to the season in a way with the Championship League, uh, there's plenty to look forward to. There is. And the Championship League is an interesting event, isn't it? It's been going since 2008, I think I looked up, which I was quite surprised it's been that long. Goodness, time does fly by. It's an interesting event, isn't it? Because it's it's always been behind closed doors, you know, but before the unfortunate behind closed doors in era went mainstream for, for pandemic reasons. And I've actually been a few times, but never properly to cover it, mainly to go and interview other players, actually, for other reasons. And you realise when you go there how much camaraderie there is between those journalists that probably do snooker week in, week out, which I wouldn't be in that category, and the players. And there's a real fun about it. Um, I think fans can sometimes feel a bit distant from it because they're not able to go. But it's sort of a filler in some ways, but it feels like the stature of it has grown somewhat, probably helped by the fact that we had that very special event last year, the first event since we came back after the first lockdown. Yeah, definitely. It certainly used to be really the lowest the lowest uh key tournament on the on the calendar just streaming it on betting sites uh it really was for the sort of real hardcore snooker fans um and yeah out of nowhere really uh, as the pandemic came out of nowhere it was catapulted into um quite a big deal really um that that first tournament the luca bracel one um in 2020 was um, it's a weirdly historic moment in snooker history, really. And then, of course, it changed into a ranking title, which it had never been before. Um, then went non-ranking. Now he's back to ranking. So is that a funny old time after after sort of bubbling away in the background for all those years? Um, as I don't want to say non-event because a lot of big players have played in it and won it. So it was uh, it was something to watch for the snooker, the hardcore snooker fans. But it, as I say, it was very low key, and then suddenly it's become weirdly quite important and now it's there now it's the curtain raiser for the for the new season so yeah it's had an interesting history of the championship league yeah it feels a bit like the great survivor doesn't it you know with everything going on all around it's like, oh that championship league, that might last another couple of years oh it's still going and before you know it, it's been here more than a decade and as you say it, it, it seems to take up an awful lot of our time and we'll do in the weeks to come and, and we'll we will as you say in a low-key way Look forward to the action. Lots of other big sport around, of course. So let's not pretend there isn't. But nevertheless, for snooker fans, as we build up to that really big event, the British Open in August, this will be a nice chance to see uh, some of those players we're so familiar with, some new names as well, uh, in action on television in the weeks to come. And it is all underway on Sunday, uh, Phil. And perhaps we'll look through the group, shall we? Um, the first one uh, on that first day is Mark Williams, Jack Jones, Peter Lyons and Hamad Mia. Well, the thing that strikes me here is, of course, Mark Williams, who's won everything in the game, all-time great. He doesn't mind the short format. See, he won the WST Pro Series Tour event towards the end of, of last season. Uh, so you'd think he'd be favourite for that group. And, uh, well, Jack Jones had a, a decent run to the quarterfinals of the English Open last season, uh, but perhaps didn't do that much elsewhere. Uh, Peter Lyons, friend of the podcast, back on tour, Phil. And uh, also another uh, Q-Schooler, uh, uh, 
man that came through successfully, Hamad Mir. So interesting group to start with, but it's always great to see one of the class of 92, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, he won the, the Pro Series and he got to the final of the last edition of this, only narrowly losing to Kyron Wilson. Um, so he, he does not mind this sort of short format groups, group stage kind of snooker at all. And what what would sort of warn you off backing Mark Williams here would be maybe he hasn't been practising loads over the summer, whereas the guys who come Q school obviously have. But um, if you follow Mark Williams on Twitter, which if you don't, you definitely should. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, was, he posted how he'd set his highest ever break. He made a 1-5-1 in his club uh, back in Wales. Um, so he clearly has been practising and playing very well, it seems. I've um, been playing with uh, Jackson Page. Um, so, yeah, if, if if I may have been tempted to go with one of the Q School guys, um, otherwise, I think, I mean, it's only one tweet to go on, but he clearly has been playing and, and practising it hard. So, uh, yeah, I think you've got to go with Mark Williams on this one. I mean, are you suggesting here, Phil, that, that sometimes Mark likes the life away from snooker, a bit of golf, for <laughs> good time and night out? I mean, that, that's, um, you know, quite an accusation. It's libelous stuff, isn't it? I mean, to be fair, if you follow his Twitter, you'll see he's been playing a lot of golf as well. So yeah, um, he's, yeah. certainly, he's certainly squeezed both in. Um, but yeah, as we say, he likes the format, been practising. Um, but yeah, the other, I mean, Jack Jones, obviously a good player as well. But I think in this tournament, you've got Q School guys have got to go, be, be made wary of because... They'll have been playing when a lot of the other guys won't have been playing. Um, but yeah, I think still I'd go with Williams in this one. Now what? Now what's your um, canine friend got to say about the snooker? There, I heard something in the background. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were all the way downstairs. I was hoping that wouldn't come across, but yeah, that was both of them barking. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few Rottweilers here in the press from the tabloids. I can tell you, <laughs> but that, that's another matter. Um, Ricky Walden, Nigel Bond, Alan Taylor. Oliver Brown. Uh, some familiar names there. Uh, Ricky Walden, former ranking event winner, of course. And Nigel Bond, one of those that's been on tour since the 80s. Can you believe it? And, uh, well, we, we know Alan Taylor, of course, well. Uh, not just for playing now, but for comparing. Uh, Oliver Brown, I think it's fair, to, it's fair to say the outsider. What do you make of this group? Yeah, it's interesting, wasn't it? Um, it wouldn't be a massive shock if any of those four names came through. Obviously, um, you said Brown's the outsider, and the outsider, and that's right. Um, he he had one good run in Q School. I think he got to the last sixteen in the first event, or certainly one of the events, um, and then sort of fell short in the other ones. Um, but obviously, a good player. Um, yeah, and the other three. I mean, it's fair to say this in all the groups is best of fours, so anything can happen. Um, and you say this about these guys. Um, Walton actually was looking quite good at the end of last season. He's been regaining his form after all those injury problems and he said at the world championships he was feeling as good as he ever has which is saying something because he's won ranking titles in the past um so yeah it's, it's tempting just to go with the highest ranked player in all of these and i will do that again with walden but as i say you wouldn't be that surprised if any of these guys came through it oh, that's a fair way of saying it and then we go on to monday and uh, Ali Carter, Dominic Dale, Alfie Burden and Michael Georgiou. Now, I was very taken by what you said about Ali Carter, actually. I think when we had George Wayne in with us. And, you know, you were right what you said. He, he did have something about him. He had a bit between his teeth and he was in a good place towards the end of last season. I said before, for me, that's a good thing for the game. So, uh, and, and a recent, recent finalist, the WST Pro Series event. So, 
again, short formats, no problem for Ali. Uh, Dominic Dale, of course, one of the great characters, you know, and still capable of playing some really nice snooker, you know, you sometimes switch Dominic in on television, you think, you know, he's not just going to make us laugh, he's going to play some nice stuff. So we can still do that. Alfie Burden, ever popular, back on tour uh, through Q School, having stepped away for a while. And then Michael Giorgio, always someone that can have a, a you know, a half-decent run, reached the last eight in the German Masters last season. Probably got to go with Ali, haven't you? I know, it, as, you, as you say, it's short format, but... It'll be interesting to see, won't it, as you suggested already in our predictions episode, just what sort of campaign Ali Carter's going to have this time around. Yeah, I fancy to him to have a good one. And again, he was another one like like Mark Williams that was rattling off win after win sort of January to the end of the season through this tournament and the WST series. Um, so, yeah, he's got to be favourite. Although Burden and Georgia have got to be looked out for because um, Burden came through... Q school, Giorgio didn't, but he didn't miss out by much. He got some good wins there and they'll be practicing hard. But these guys who sort of, who aren't on tour, but are in this tournament will, will see this as a, as a real good chance and uh, will, their mind will be possibly more focused than some of the other guys. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Michael Giorgio does well there. Um, yeah, I'm just picking the favourites every time here, but if it wasn't Ali Carter, I'd be tempted, but I'd be more tempted by Bernard or Giorgio, but I guess I'll stick with Carter as well. Well, we didn't, we didn't have the, I mean, we don't normally like to let people into the magic circle, do we? But we didn't have the, let's face it, we've prepared other episodes more than this one, haven't we? That's the thing to say. So we, <laughs> we didn't actually have a specific, you know, we'll make predictions on this. And I think we're just generally talking away, aren't we, about, about the events. We, we don't necessarily need to do predictions. It's very, very hard in this format. I mean, obviously, you know, we're not proper tipsters, George Wayam is, and he said he steers clear of this. It's, you know, and that that's kind yeah. of, the, and that's the thing to say, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, I, th- I think if you're, you know, some of the tipsters that I know that, Richard Mann, the likes of him at Sporting Life, George, uh, you know, some of the other chaps, uh, our good friend um, Adrian Humphreys at the Racing Post, they probably stick st- st- clear of these, don't they? Don't they? Because um, you know, it, it's short format, it's the first event of the season. It's sort of anything goes, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If I'm picking any names here, they're very loose predictions and I will by no means be putting my money where my mouth is. <laughs> There'll be no bets placed on this tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, you can get feelings of people. Um, it's, act- it's actually a daft thing to go for all the favourites, really, because there's bound to be a load of upsets. But, uh, yeah, I'll give you my, my general feeling. Well, I've got down here Scott Donaldson... Alex Ersenbacher, Aaron Hill and Leo Fernandez next, which uh, I, I hope is correct. Uh, Scribble these down last night. That I think that seems to be someone called Phil Haig from Metro did a very nice piece, actually. You seem to seem to get everything in the right place. Very reliable operator. Now, Scott Donaldson, of course, already a Championship League winner. And I think he won it in one of its incarnations when it wasn't a ranking event. But nevertheless, you know, he, you know he's um, showed he can go all the way in this event. Uh, Urson back a former ranking event semi-finalist. Uh, did, was it George that mentioned Aaron Hill as one of his people to watch for the new season? I think it might have been. And yes, then, of exactly. course, and then uh, of course that famous win against Ronnie for him, Ronnie O'Sullivan last season. And uh, then Leo Fernandez, who uh, didn't really shine too much in the matches he played last season. Looks a kind of wide, wide open group. Group that one sort of fancy, possibly. Urson Backer or Hill for that? Maybe Urson Backer. What's your feeling? Yeah, Donaldson won this um, in the only of the time it was in Leicester as well. So he'll have good memories of this arena. Um, 
Johnson, he's he's so capable. He's sort of been around there, same in the rankings in the, around the twenties for a little while now. He looks great on his day, um, and obviously picked up this title. Um, Ersenbacker, I think he sort of comes. So is it flashes more than anything? He's got some really good wins, beating Ronnie O'Sullivan before, and uh, looks amazing on his day, and then sort of goes missing for a bit. Hill's a sort of up and comer, isn't he? Like a lot expected of him, one of the best young players in the game for sure. And you know, Fernandez has been around forever. He'll be he'll be the outsider here, though. Um, yeah, this is a this is a pick and between those three. Again, Donaldson's got the pedigree, but you wouldn't be surprised if Ersenbacker or Hill comes through this. And um, they're all the kind of players that will be really up for this kind of event, won't they? Because it's a great chance to they pick up some money, pick up some uh, ranking points, and uh, get the season off off to a good start. Yes, definitely. And uh, that should take care of Monday's business. On to next Tuesday now. This is July the 20th now, if we're talking in terms of uh, dates. And, well, we normally record on Monday, don't we, Phil? Not absolutely written in scripture, but that's always our intention. But I think it was such an intense day, uh, well, for us, but for the country, really. And I was making my way down to Kent. You were very busy doing other stuff. So it wasn't quite so easy for us. But in a funny kind of way, it worked out quite well that we're recording this on Wednesday because we now know that, unfortunately, Onyi is out and not playing in the Ronnie O'Sullivan group, which was a shame uh, and is a shame because we would have had some proper attention there. So now it's O'Sullivan, Joyce, Mark Joyce, Sakib Nazir and Ian Burns but just not safe for Onyi to travel at the moment due to the COVID cases. So, uh, and also we, we've had uh, Zhu Yu Long out as well. So a bit of a shame, but under the circumstances, we do understand, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. They've got to do what they've got to do. Um, yeah, Zhu Yu Long was a strange one because he actually said he wasn't going to enter this. And then I think maybe he entered it by mistake even and then realised he had and then pulled out. Um, yeah, Onyi's in Hong Kong and hopefully she can get over for... British Open and onwards, but if it's not safe to do so, then it's not safe to do so. Well, so we'll see. But yeah, that is a shame because, you know, I'm not saying she would have beat Ronnie O'Sullivan, but it certainly would have been a match that garnered a lot of attention from people who may not might not normally watch snooker or certainly wouldn't normally watch the Championship League. Um, so that is a shame. But a great opportunity for Sakib Nasir. Not a player I know loads about, but he was playing in uh, playing in Q School. Got one or two good wins in there. So he beaten Ross Muir during that. Um, in one of the events and he'd been playing brilliantly so um he can obviously play um but i mean you can't uh, it'd be a brave man not to tip ronnie o'sullivan to come through this group although he played it was in the pro series he played at the end of last season and he was basically just messing around wasn't he, he finished bottom of his group so, uh, <laughs> a little bit unbe- know. we don't you know we're, we're quite mild-mannered people we don't have to ch- chuck accusations around but it bordered on unprofessional that from Molly, didn't it if we're honest it did, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember who was in his group. There's six or seven people in a group and he finished last in it, which didn't suggest he was taking it entirely seriously, um, nor did how he was playing in some games, his shot selection, etc. But uh, uh, I'd be surprised if he turns up and play like that, though, first t- tournament of the season. He didn't need to be playing this if he wasn't going to turn up and take it seriously. So, um, yeah, you'd fancy the rocket there, I imagine. Just to quickly look ahead for, for Ronnie, I mean... It was a quite extraordinary campaign, really, that he reached that many finals and, and lost them all. I mean, it was such a weird quirk. Um, you sort of think he'll be back in the winner's circle, don't you? Even at his age, uh, you know, eventually those those guys, the Williams, Higgins and 
O'Sullivan's are going to decline a bit, of course. Maybe they're already slightly doing that. But, you know, he, he's still capable of, of winning big titles, Ronnie, and he won't keep losing finals, will he? No, yeah, I think uh, it was it was a crazy season for him last season, really, and it went down as a bad one in many people's books, but it was still a lot better than, you know, a lot of players do for their whole career in one season, so it, was, it wasn't that bad. Um yeah, he's going to win more titles before the end of his career. That's uh, there's not too much doubt about that. I don't think. Um, and yeah, you'd expect him to pick up one this season. Um, he played in near enough everything last season. I suppose that was the biggest surprise that he didn't win anything because he played in near enough everything. Um, but he came close on a string of occasions. So um, yeah, he's, he's not he's not the force he once was, um, but he's still. Better than near enough everyone else, isn't he? Let's get, let's be clear. Um, so yeah, I'd expect him to pick up a title this season. Yeah, he's not the force he once was, but he can still win the world championship. He can still win the UK championship. He can still win the Masters. He can still win the Tour championship. Can, I think you get the message. You know, <laughs> even a Ronnie, not the force he once was, can, can still do great things in this sport. Of course, he can. Uh, it'll be interesting to see Mark Joyce actually, won't it? Because he, of course, he reached the world championship. Uh, at the Crucible for the first time at the end of last season. And very nice, very capable player on his day. So there, there'll be some interesting uh, matches to see in, in that group, hopefully. Uh, Michael Holt, Andrew Higginson, Fergal O'Brien and Mark uh, Lloyd. Well, actually, it strikes me here that Michael Holt's a, a friend of this podcast, former shootout champion, and Fergal O'Brien is a friend of another podcast. Now, I don't know <laughs> if you heard him on snooker scene, but... He was great value, wasn't it? I mean, you talk about proper snooker people. I mean, if you had to, you know, do like a a league table or medal table of those kind of people, Fergal will be near the top, wouldn't he? Yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, that was a great podcast. If you haven't listened to that, then uh, dig that out. It's brilliant. Um, and yeah, loves the game. Um, mm. He he wouldn't have uh, swapped his career for any other uh, any other. Or anything, he, uh, he's uh, he's had a great time in, in the game, and it's not over yet. Still going strong, um, and yeah, there's a few sort of these guys have been a while, around a while in this group, Holt and Higginson as well. Um, I was speaking to Stephen Holworth the other day, who'd been practicing when, up with Michael Holt. Says he's been playing very well. He's got a new cue, so I suppose if I'm going using any kind of inside info on how people have been playing, I'll have to tip Holty here. Oh, that's a, a nice little bit of it, bit, bit, bit of inside info there. And uh, I thought an interesting line to emerge from that, and it's, it's probably a week or so since I've heard it, so I think I, I, think I remember this right, is that, is that um, they were suggesting that, you know, I mean, one of the reasons Fergal survived so long, he's a, he's a very, very good player, but uh, it was a factor of him that he hasn't really been one to complain a lot or moan a lot. And I think they put Mark Davis in that category as well. Of course, they'll speak out when they... They really feel strongly about something, but generally they've kind of got on with it. Those proper season pros thing. And there's probably something, isn't there, isn't there, for guys like that, Fergal, Davis, etc. Yeah, I mean, they, it's just they treat it like a job, I suppose. It's a job they like. Um, uh, it's just turn up and do it as professionally as possible um, and churn out as many results as you can get. Um, staying on tour for, they've, these two have been on the tour for 30 years, haven't they? So, um, yeah, whatever they've been doing, whatever their approach is, um, clearly works. And obviously, like you said, they're extremely good players, um, which goes a long way to keeping them on tour. Um, but yeah, there's certainly 
uh, the, whatever attitude theirs is, which I think is just turning up and doing the best you can every time. Um, you know, that's a huge part of it. Definitely. And uh, as you say, a lot, a lot of experience in there. Andrew Higgison, actually, former uh, ranking event finalist some, some time uh, mm. ago now. Of course, Virgil, a ranking event winner. And uh, Holt, famously so in recent times in the shootout. Uh, Mark Loy, very much the outsider there. We're now moving on to next Wednesday, July the 21st. And there are some big names missing, but as you go through these groups, you realise kind of how many strong and really good players we're blessed with in this sport because Barry Hawkins is next up and it's uh, Hawkins, Ben Wollaston, Zach Surti and Kulzesh uh, Jahal. I mean, funny thing about Barry Hawkins, it struck me before looking up that actually I'm not sure he's done that long last season, but you know, I must have been misremembering because he reached three semi-finals and that says a lot about Barry, I think, you know, that you said, oh, you're not sure he's been around. No, he is. He's getting to the latter stages of tournaments and pretty regularly in the second half of last season. So it'll be good to see that continue uh, for Barry. Uh, ben Wollaston, former uh, ranking event finalist, but certainly didn't have the best season of his career by any means, the one just gone. Now, Zach Surti, someone that Stuart Bingham spoke to me about on a couple of occasions, saying about how much talent he has, sort of raw talent, but he hasn't really delivered yet, it's fair to say. And Kuldes Johal, I think, came up on the Peter Lyons podcast. Peter's saying about how much he, he's a good pal of his. And he had a few good wins at Q School, but not managing to get through there. So interesting group. And uh, it'll be nice to see Barry Hawkins continue that form, wouldn't it? Because it, do, do you know what I mean about you sort of think, oh, he's not doing too much. But he, quietly, I think that's why he got to that last event, the Tour Championship. Pure consistency, wasn't it, of course? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's on the top eight of the one-year list at the end of the season. So, um, yeah, you don't do that by fluke. It was a lot of very solid results. Um, and I suppose that's just Barry all over, isn't it? He sort of goes under the radar a bit, but he's an unbelievably good player. If you ever hear the other players speak about Barry Hawkins, they're full of respect um, just for his all-round game, yeah. often described as like Rolls-Royce of a player. Um, and, yeah, he might not always grab the headlines, but... Um, Superb player, and yeah, he's fa- he'll obviously be favourite in a situation like this to come through. Well, Ben Wollstone got to the fa- uh, got to the final of that first championship league back um, and lost to Luca Brazel, um which was which looked like a really good result for him, and thought, oh, maybe he's going to have a kick on for the season to come. But as you said, he didn't didn't get many good results there. Um, there was that memorable loss to John Higgins at the Welsh Open, where. Higgins came back to the table needing snookers and got them and uh, oh, yes, cleared up and won. <laughs> I think I just remember that game. Yeah, there, yeah. We, talk, we talked about that, didn't we? Uh, that episode, I think, <laughs> as 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 classic Higgins. Did, did, did Wollaston get the impression of not believing he could win still, almost? In one of those, it, the, psycho- the psychology was interesting there. I mean, you, you don't want to play John Higgins when... You know, that's the guy you last you last want to see, isn't it? When, you, when it's a snooker's required, it's a big match like that. Yeah, exactly, and I think I think Wollaston got a fluke to to mean that, he, that Higgins required snookers, and it would it was a classic moment where ninety percent of players would have absolutely lost their head. That's Higgins right. just unfazed, just got on with it and did what he needed to do. I believe, um, but yeah, um, Wollaston's a, a very capable player on his day. Of course, um, he had a little spell where he was getting to quarterfinals, um, semifinals quite regularly, but it was a few years ago now. Um, but yeah, I suppose Barry's Barry's the uh, the favourite for this one, quite rightly. Yeah, well, he's certainly a form horse there. Well, uh, not 
if you can call it that way, with, with everyone having two months off, certainly form in terms of the second half of last season. Now, you talk about great memories from the Welsh Open. Well, there was no greater than Jordan Brown winning it, was there? Uh, you were very lucky to be there for that, Phil. That's one of the, the great highlights of the memorable season that we saw, the 2021 campaign. He's in the group with Stuart Carrington, Dwayne Jones and Michael Judge. Uh, Carrington reached a semi-final at the Gibraltar Open last season. And, uh, well, Dwayne Jones is someone that we, you know, I think we've spoken about before. And Marcus Ted, actually, friend of this podcast, uh, I think knows pretty well and, and often thinks, I think, that he could have done a little bit better. He did reach semi-finals at the German Masters one year. And Michael Judge, who's been around since God was a boy. So, interesting there. I mean, J- Jordan Brown, I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, let's hope he does great, great things in his career. But whatever happens, he'll always be remembered for that, won't he? Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, unless he goes on to win more things and eclipses it. But um, yeah, I mean, even so, it'll be, it was one of the most memorable tournaments um, for years, really. What, not just the final. The final was mad enough on its own, but his, his route to the final. Um, as we said on a recent episode, you know, no one was tipping Jordan Brown to be a ranking event winner at the start of last season and to do it in the way he did at a properly old, tr- prestigious event as well. You know, it wasn't, um, I don't want to be disrespectful of any other events, but it was the Welsh Open. It was a very good one. Um, so, yeah, incredible stuff, really. Um, but he hasn't really followed it up. Um, he didn't get to the Crucible. Um, I'm not sure if he got much of a result after after Welsh Open, really. Nothing think, to speak it, of. I think it was remember. all after the Lord Mayor's show, wasn't it, really, for him? Mm. You know, in a very human nature way, understandable. But, I mean, I say he got hammered by John Higgins, of course, in the event after, but then everyone did. So yes. <laughs> we'll yes. let him off that. Yeah. Uh, and then um and then yeah, he didn't really he didn't really do too much. It, it, I think he was sort of not consciously living off that, but but it, you know, it was it was probably hard to to kind of um shake that off in some ways. But it'll be interesting to see how you know he's got a brand new campaign now and he's a, I mean he showed he showed that week about how, you know how brilliant he can be. Um it's about consistently doing it, of course. So, you know, on a week in, week out basis, and that's you know what what all pros have to learn, isn't it? Yeah, of course. And as you said, that'll be interesting to see. So where where he is in the game now? Has Was that just a one-off and is he reset to where he was, knocking around in sort of number 80 in the world? Can he level up from there a bit? Um, we'll have to see because um, it's strange from a new campaign you spoke about form just before. It, does form really exist when people haven't played for two months? It's hard mm. to say. Um, and yeah, is there any momentum left from from that re- amazing result in Newport? Um, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, this is an absolute pick and group. Um, two guys come through Q School. We'll have a bit of, as I said, a bit of form behind them, a bit of momentum. Carrington had that great result in Gibraltar, as he said, at the end of last season. I mean, as I said, I wouldn't be putting any money on this tournament at all. But this one, you may as well just throw your fire up in the air and see which name it lands on. Did you nearly mention pick and mix there? That's lo- lovely memories of Woolworths there. <laughs> lovely memories of Woolies. Um, yeah. We're on to next Thursday now, July the 22nd. This is a long old slog, this Championship League, you know. It, it, it's going to go on. It's going to keep the same for a long while to come uh, mm. when it kicks off on Sunday. Uh, Tom Ford, Simon Lichtenberg, Rianne Evans and Simon Blackwell. Now, I think drum roll a bit of a weak drum roll. I think it should be left to you to uh, 
So let the listeners know about our, our little Rianne Evans news. Yes, so we'll be joined uh, by Rianne next Monday, so the coming Monday, um, before she plays in the Championship League, before she makes her um, bow as a professional this season. Um, so that'd be great. We'll get her thoughts before she plays. Um, and I, I guess how excited she is to get stuck in. Um, and plenty of other things too. So that'll be a real treat for us next Monday evening. Um, so join us for that one. And yeah, this is an interesting group she's been thrown into here. Um, Tom Ford, the highest ranked player by somewhere, I imagine. And then Simon Lichtenberg and Simon Blackwell. So uh, straight in there with chance to make a, make a bit of a splash, I think, in this short format against, you'd say, Lichtenberg and Blackwell are players that she'd fancy her chances against. Yeah, she, she could have got um, tougher groups for sure. That wasn't just uh, me being uh, uh, polite there. I thought it was only right because you did all the work to get Rianne Evans on, of course. And, uh, and we genuinely can't wait to speak to Rianne because, uh, you know, she is one of the most interesting characters in snooker, isn't she, really? She's got so much to say about the game. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll really enjoy picking her brain. It's, it's a lovely coup for us, actually, isn't it? Yeah, really pleased. And uh, at the forefront of something really interesting this season, of course, with the... the talk out to the two uh, women to join the main tour. Um, it, it's a big move. It was got a lot of chat talk when it was announced. Um, and to be fair to her, there's a lot of pressure, really, because mm. a lot of people have doubted that decision. So she's, uh, I hope she's not feeling it too much because, uh, you know, that's unfair, really. It's not, her, it wasn't her decision that was made, but um, it's an interesting time with uh, her and Onyi joining. And obviously Onyi not playing on the, in this event then, all the eyes will be on her in the, on uh, on that front. Um, so yeah, we're look, really looking forward to talking to her. She's uh, she's a big figure in the game, isn't she? So it'll be, uh, she'll have lots of interesting things to say. No, she really is a big figure, key figure in the game, and we love we we'll love talking to her. And we hope you can join us for that next week. Um, yeah, it, it, it remind me of something we sort of suggested earlier about Ronnie, and that would have taken some of the attention because it's Ronnie and because of the Ronnie factor. I mean. You know, I think you, you have a wonderful brief at Metro. I know you do some great work throughout it. But someone like me is predominantly a newspaper man. This will struggle to break through, in, in, you know, to be brutally honest, um, as much as we'll try. But Rianne Evans might, you know, because that's a story. And any time Rianne wins, hopefully, in time, it won't be a big story when Rianne wins. It'll be normal. But you get my drift. In the same way that when Farron Shellop wins a, a game, a, a sport you know so well, of course, darts, it, it's going to be new, isn't it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Rian wins the first game, that'll that'll break through, um, and it won't really matter who that is against. I don't think. Uh, yeah, as you say, Fallon Sherrick beat Ted Everts at uh, the World Darts Championship, and I don't think Ted Everts gets too many headlines. So it was the fact that uh, a woman beat a man. Where I mean, whether that's right or wrong, that that gets a load of headlines, it will. Um, so yeah, uh, that'll be. Again, whether it's right or wrong, um, no one will want to be that first man that she beats. So um, there'll be it's a weird pressure that'll be on these guys in this short format. They won't want to be losing. That's for sure. I think the Royal Ancient Wi-Fi is just about uh, holding up here at uh, uh, here, here at Royal St George's. Um, if you are hearing the odd break in, in communication, apologies for that. But I think it's just about okay. Um, we're on to Lu Ning, David Grace, Farrakh Ajayb, and Bai Lei Ning. Um, uh, Lu, of course, semi finalist at the UK Championship uh, uh, last season. Grace, a semi finalist at Northern Ireland Open. So a bit of pedigree here. 
And, uh, well, Farrakh Ajayb came through Q School, I think the one just before um, we saw, yeah. and didn't win many matches last season. Baylan Ning really hardly played at all last season. So, uh, looking at Looning and David Grace, I guess, Looning will, will be the favourite. But uh, interesting to see this one, I think, because Looning is a, a good player, isn't he, on his day? He really is. Yeah, he's sort of, I was going to say underrated. Um, I don't know if it's underrated, but he's not, it's not that enjoyable to watch, if I'm being frank. He's very slow, very methodical. Um, so maybe he doesn't get talked about that much because of that. But he's a very good player. Um, and obviously David Grace on his day is very good. Um, Bai Lang Ning is an interesting one because, yeah, he didn't play much last season at all. Um, and I think that was down to the pandemic. And then he turned up at a World Championship qualifying and got a string of good results. He beat Alan Taylor, Alan McManus and Ben Wollaston. Um, which is not a bad effort at all. And then for just fell short, losing to Martin Gould, the last qualifier. Um, and then I know there were some calls for him to be given a tour bar because he um, he got he dropped off tour because he couldn't play much last season. Very nearly won it just by getting to the Crucible. He's only 19. Um, that didn't happen. But um, yeah, he's clearly a very good player. Um, and he could, he could cause a bit of a shock here. Uh, so that'd be an interesting one to watch. He'll fancy his chances. Yep, certainly. And uh, we're actually going to look, look at the, the first run of matches. So we're at the last day of that now, which is next Friday, July the 23rd, which is also the first day of the Olympic Games. It's in my mind there, certainly the opening ceremony in Tokyo. Uh, but uh, it's also uh, an interesting day of action at the Championship League. Anthony McGill, Mark Davis, the aforementioned Mark Davis, Juan uh, Sidron and Billy Castle. Uh, of course, we we last saw uh, McGill at the World Championship. What a brilliant run he had there! But his problem, you think, is short format. We, we you know, we, we we've um, we we said that before. And uh, uh, actually, I, I had the the pleasure of of watching Anthony with Anthony's partner at the Crucible. And interesting conversation that developed. You know, in the fact that you know, it, it's obvious we know it, but. He just loves those longer matches. You know, he loves the chance to settle into them. That's where his temperament is suited. I know we've gone about crucible players, but it's more that he's a long format player. So um, that's just the way some people are made. Uh, Mark Davis, who of course, was also at the crucible recently. Uh, one Sidron, former ranking event semi-finalist. Uh, Billy Castle, the outsider here. So um, you know what I mean about McGill, though? He, he likes those long matches, but it's the shorter ones he needs to really focus on now. Yeah, I think um, it's time for him to sort of get back into winning away from the Crucible because he's had a very quiet time other than his very mem memorable uh, runs in Sheffield. Um, and I'm not saying it has to be this event, but he will certainly be focusing this season, I'm sure, on being a bit more consistent and not um, not just winning in, in Sheffield. Uh, which, I mean, not that he's been not been trying before, but you know what I mean. Um, he needs to be a bit more consistent over the year. Uh, Mark Davis is always there. <laughs> Yuan Sejun, it was a surprise that, to see him drop off tour last season. He came straight back through Q School quite impressively, uh, got some good wins, came through event one. Um, so he would actually might be a, a man to watch in this one, uh, given what we know about McGill's struggles and, as you say, in this format of the game. Uh, and Yuan probably played more, got a bit of momentum behind him after Q School. So if I was tipping an outsider, that's, the, that's probably the biggest one. Um, that's cropped up there so far. 
And then also next Friday, Luca Bussell, who we mentioned, of course, won that really memorable uh, championship league that took place in the summer of 2020. Uh, Pang Jung-soo, Chan Bing-yu and Dean Young. Now, you did a really good interview with Dean Young, didn't, didn't you? We mentioned it before. We haven't seen that yet. Uh, I'm sure you can look up Phil's article on Metro. It'll be on your Twitter feed as well. Really interesting to see how Dean Young gets on. There's a, a lot thought about him, of course. Chan Bing-yu said only 18 loads to come from him. Uh, Pang Jung-soo had a couple of half-decent runs in in ranking events last season. But, I mean, Brussel has got this, you know, great championship league pedigree, of course, from winning it. But um, uh, sort of all eyes on Dean Young then in some ways, I guess. Yeah, it's a really interesting group. All uh, a lot of exciting young talent have said, like, Luca Brussel is sort of the eldest statesman there. He seems like he's been around forever, but he's only 26. Um, (laughs) So it almost seems that, you know, we're not, he hasn't lived up to quite the potential so far, Luca, but he still could have, you know, a long, long time left in this game and still could well be improving still, although the results last season weren't weren't up to that much. Um, Pang jung I was really impressed with last season. Uh, he won Rookie of the Year, got some very impressive wins, um, beat Stephen Maguire, beat Ding Junhui. Just off the top of my head, I'm sure he got some of those as well. Um, but yeah, his, his work ethic's amazing. I remember Ding saying to me that, he practices harder than anyone else in the Ding Junhui Academy. And that is saying something because there's an awful lot of hard practices there. Um, so I'm sure he won't have had a quiet summer. He'll have been busy on the table. Um, but yeah, as you say, it'll be everyone will be excited to see the only rookie to come through Q School, Dean Young. Um, and he'll be he'll be excited to uh, test his mettle against a few other young talents. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got high hopes for Pang this season. So... If I was picking one, I'd probably pick Pang to come through this. Yeah, no, that, as you say, that really is a, you know, there's lots of interesting groups, but that really is a, a particularly interesting one. Funny you say that about Luca Purcell, you know, and being around a long time. It, it sort of reminds me of a conversation I had with Neil Foles at the Masters, two, two or three Masters ago. Um, you know, um, I'm not sure this is quite the same, actually, but, you know, you, oh, the, the, you know, you talk about Kyron being young players and, you know, so much to do but actually sort of Neil was saying then some of them aren't that that young actually you know mm. in an old school sense I mean look at what Hendry did I mean everyone's different every year is different but I guess you know it's what you said about still time on his side players now uh, come into their peak more maybe in their 30s and of course you've got the class of 92 playing into their 40s so these players look after themselves and and have the right attitude and mentality still you know, if you're 26, you've got 20 more years. Good years, haven't you, potentially, of, of, of having chances to win big stuff? Yeah, I think the sport has just gone through sort of waves, hasn't it? And I was watching an old documentary not that long ago, and it was saying when Steve Davis burst onto the scene and he was told, oh, you can't win the world title until your 40s because you won't be mature enough. And then obviously that completely changed around. Um, and then everyone was winning in their 20s, uh, it looked like if you got past 35, you might be a bit past it. That's changed again. Um, so it just depends who comes through um, at what time. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I don't, Luke, yeah, I suppose Luca is still seen as a young player um, at 26. Um, but it's just because he he burst onto the scene. I think, I think it was 2012, wasn't he? He played the World Championships. He was the youngest player to ever play there. Uh, so that, I mean, that he has been around a while, really. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, we would like to see a few more in their early 20s really competing, but maybe that'll happen this year. We obviously had Yambing Tao 
winning the Masters as a teenager. Um, we're going to expect people like him and Zhao Yulong to be very competitive this season. So, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Was it was it 2012, the year you did the work with World Snooker at the tournament? Yeah, that's why I remember it. Yeah, I remember seeing him thinking, uh, who's this child here? <laughs> and I was only quite young myself, but he made me feel old. Please never let it be said that I don't hang on your every word, Phil Haig. That's another, <laughs> another, another example there for you. Um, now, that takes us to the end of that first phase of Championship League matches. And I, I feel like that's, that's enough Championship League for us to everyone listening and probably everyone else uh, for now. But a couple <laughs> other bits of news before we uh, disappear for now. Uh, a random draw in the British Open, FA Cup style uh, draw. Um, it's different. It wouldn't always work, but I mean, Barry Hearn has now passed the reins over, of course, but his ethos was always, let's make things a bit different. And I, I think Barry, as he's often suggested, gets a lot from golf. Golf kind of has that idea, different uh, formats and qualifications. And this is another kind of, um, you know, a, a different way of doing it. And yeah, you, you might get Ronnie drawing John Higgins, but that's the fun of the fair in this one. And uh, it's going to make it an interesting new dimension, isn't it? Yeah, I really like it. Um, there's so many tournaments now, and that's a great thing, obviously. No complaints from me on that. But uh, I think at periods of the, of the season... You sort of they almost blur into one a bit. You'll feel similar, if not the same. Um, so it is nice to, although this is the first one this season, so it won't exactly break up other ones. But it is nice to have something different and to for a tournament to have something that is unique about it. As you say, I wouldn't I wouldn't have this put into every tournament, but uh, it's a nice change. I know uh, it reminds me of the UK Open darts, which is often always branded as the FA Cup of darts. And exactly what they do there. I actually thought maybe because what they do in that is similar to the football FA Cup, and they have um, higher ranked players coming in at the second and third round, which they're not doing in the in the British Open snooker. But um, they have taken the draw format of that, and it's it's an interesting thing because at the end, um, the end of each round is complete. They get some pundits onto the stage and do the draw out of a like the FA Cup, get the balls out of a big bowl, and it's a bit of a bit of an event at the end of each draw at the end of each round. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting uh, change. I'm all for it. Um, the it was a, it was a nice plus for the tournament because the short format wasn't very popular with anyone, but I think this one has been a bit of a perk that people have liked. <laughs> That's an understatement from you there. Yes, it was. Uh... <laughs> Yes, that went down like a lead balloon with snooker fans, didn't it? That 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 news, but um, there we are. Uh, well, we're not we've not been inundated with correspondence. I think is the way to say it for the last week or two. It's a quiet time, I know, but the thing is, we are, I think, going to storm them up anyway for our next Your Views episode. Good news that we've got a press conference coming up here in five minutes. So I think everyone knows that now. But there we are. That, that... <laughs> if anyone thought Nick was pretending he was at the golf, we've got, <laughs> we've got confirmation. <laughs> I mean, I know people always say, oh, you just did a bed sitting tooting and posting pictures <laughs> from there. You're always going to get those people. But no, I, I promise you I am. We have got a press conference coming up here soon. And we've got lots of snooker to come. But as I say, we are going to save up your correspondence for a Your Views episode coming soon. And please keep your thoughts coming to talkingsnooker at yahoo.com 
or tweet us at uh, Talking Snooker. We can't wait for Rianne Evans next week, can we, Phil? Uh, is there anything else we need to talk about for now? Or, or, or should, we, should we just let the snooker unfold from this weekend onwards? We, we, we can't wait to have it back in our lives, can we? Low-key, as you say, but it will be good to have it back and, uh, and we can enjoy some proper viewing. And as you say, we can see who's been practising in the last month or two, eh? Yeah, I think that is the case. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. There might be some rusty uh, rusty queue actions, but, you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. Uh, like these little tournaments, uh, it, it, sort, it sort of seems... Uh, not friendly is the wrong word, but it's a bit more relaxed. Um, and, yeah, it'll be just great to see some live snooker again. Um, yeah, what have I got coming up? I'm speaking to Mitchell Mann today, actually. He's back. He came through Q School. Um, so he's back. It'll be interesting to talk to him um, about ahead of the coming season. As I say, I spoke to Stephen Holworth the other day, so I'll be putting something up from him. Um, and yeah, as you say, we're, we're looking forward to uh, speaking to Rihanna on Monday, Monday night. So keep an eye out for that when that comes out late, late Monday or early Tuesday. And of course, we should ask for your questions for Rihanna as well, not just us uh, to ask questions. We, we do like to, to throw the floor open to you as well. So for any questions about Rihanna, career what her hopes are for the future uh, what her general thoughts are about the state of the game please message us talking snooker at yahoo.com and uh, or tweet us at talking snooker the sean murphy hits are going up and up phil we're nearly on a thousand and before we go that reminds me we haven't really done this before but listen we're not too proud if you do enjoy the podcast um don't say anything if you don't just keep quiet but if you do <laughs> then please do give us a nice rating, particularly on Apple, which is a really big, the biggest podcast provider, or a nice review. I understand. I'm a bit of a technophobe, actually. Tommy technophobe here. But I do understand these things are important. So any compliments, uh, Phil, um, we, we, we welcome them, don't we, sir? Absolutely, yeah. Um, we've got some really nice reviews on there. and they're Very welcome. And, yes, they do things for things called algorithms, which I couldn't begin to uh, to explain to anyone, but apparently they're very important. So uh, if you could give us a hand with that, that would be very much appreciated. And I think on that algorithm note, we will depart. Have a great rest of the week, Phil. We'll look, I look forward to joining you again uh, with Rianne Nevins next week. And we've had a little, we'll have a little bit of snooker to talk about as well. Absence makes the heart grow fonder and the game we all love is back. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have watched a couple of days of the Championship League, which should be great. Um, looking forward to that and looking forward to be back, as always. I have golf work to do. You have an important afternoon of work to do. And uh, thanks very much for your company. Enjoy the start of the new season. Enjoy the Championship League. We'll be back next week with Rianne Evans. But for now, from Phil and myself, it's cheerio. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>